It's the new year, the point where we all look for a second chance to get healthy, maybe lose some weight, and adopt some new habits. And waiting for us are the hucksters, people who want to sell you hydrogen in your water, expensive supplements of dubious value, and some choices that might actually harm you. If it sounds too good to be true, you might just be hearing the sound of a duck, or a quack, at least. Today, on 4Q, I'll reveal my selection for some of the top scams of 2023 and try to make sense of the madness that surrounds them. I'm Dr. Terry Simpson, and this is Fork U, Fork University, where we teach you a little bit about food as medicine, busting myths, and making sense of the madness. We're going to start out with the Liver King and Paul Saladino, chief among the shirtless salesmen of supplements and scams. 2023 saw the self-described Liver King, Brian Johnson, fall from grace, and his partner, Paul Saladino, try to say he didn't know. Liver King's five-foot-two-inch frame was filled with more steroids and growth hormones than found in the pharmacy. Purchasing somewhere between twelve dollars and $20,000 worth of injectables a month and eating a diet far from the liver he recommended. Unfortunately, Johnson admitted this, albeit the evidence was simply overwhelming. But we cannot forget his business partner, a one Paul Saladino, who loves to yell at spinach and kale while pushing his heart and soil supplements. Lever King and Saladino jointly own a supplement business, which is called Heart and Soil. They sell supplements and pretend to tell you about the health through the carnivore diet. The company of Heart and Soil is registered in Texas, and Brian Johnson, his wife, and Saladino were all members of the board. Being shirtless is oddly effective, especially among men. Whether this comes from we like alpha male with abs or homoerotic fantasy, shirtless cells, countless times showing studies refuting their claims doesn't move their supporters. In fact, the response from some males has always been some version of show me your abdominals, Dr. Simpson, to which I retort, I'd love to have their abs, but in time, they'd love to have my arteries. It just didn't seem to move them. I still find it odd that a grocery store would allow a shirtless person to yell at spinach. Yes, Saladino did train in psychiatry, although he does not see patients. While Saladino said he had an inkling his partner was doing steroids, if you've ever seen Brian Johnson, I'm sure you would have more than an inkling, and Saladino went to medical school, Johnson, the liver king, used to inject insulin and balance it with maple syrup. I do find it odd that Saladino's refrigerator is filled with the same maple syrup that Liver King used to balance his insulin to increase the glycogen in his muscles. Saladino received his medical degree from the University of Arizona, and I was on the faculty at the time. I was an assistant professor. Saladino loves to pander to the anti-medicine crowd with a trope that doctors don't learn the root cause of disease. I pointed out that we taught him pathophysiology and he must have forgotten that our Western medicine discovered the root cause of many diseases. In front of one audience, Saladino claimed that he learned nutrition in medical school. Then a few years later, he claimed he didn't learn nutrition in medical school. Here's a question for you. Do we physicians learn or teach nutrition in medical school? 
Well, I'm going to divert here a little bit. As someone who's certified in culinary medicine and taught in nutrition, I can say yes and no. The basics of nutrition are anatomy, physiology, and biochemistry. And while you can get these courses in college and medical school, they're really graduate-level courses. The basic pathology, for example, of atherosclerosis, or how cholesterol is made, transported, and absorbed, is taught in medical school. The effect of dietary saturated fats causing an increase in low-density lipoprotein is taught in medical school. Moreover, the foods with high levels of saturated fats are taught in medical school. Because of those basics, we surgeons can take the sickest patients in the ICU and feed them intravenous nutrition. Surgeons developed intravenous nutrition, and that has kept countless people alive. In addition, surgeons also developed the ability to feed directly into the gut through a tube. And while we may not learn that Popeye's chicken breast contains a thousand milligrams of sodium more than a regular chicken breast, we may not just learn that practical side of food, but we learn a lot about the basic science, which is the foundation of nutrition. An analogy might be that an architect can design your home, but may not know how to build it. And speaking of scams, the inflammatory process is one of the first series of lectures that medical students learn. They learn that inflammation is an essential part of how human beings heal from injury and disease. That the inflammatory process is necessary for the body to trap and remove bacteria, viruses, parasites, and cancer. Further, medical students learn that the inflammatory process, when overdone, leads to destruction, such as in autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, Sjogren's, or lupus. Medical students are not taught to order C-reactive proteins and SED rates on everyone because that would be a waste of resources. Someone could have high inflammatory markers for a variety of reasons, and blindly ordering tests is often a wasteful practice of doctors without a clue. Usually, it's functional medicine doctors, naturopaths, and chiropractors ordering these tests. Sometimes we are, as physicians, clueless about a patient's conditions, but oftentimes medical students are taught that a good history and physical will reveal more than a laboratory test, or at least lead us to what laboratory tests to order. Medical students are not taught that the inflammatory process is the basis of all disease because it isn't. Nor are they taught that atherosclerosis is all from inflammatory disease because that simply isn't true. But I want to even hark back to vitamin deficiencies which are taught in medical schools. In fact, one of the first ones ever noted, vitamin C and scurvy, that was elucidated from the great work of the Scottish surgeon, Dr. James Lind. Scurvy is a disease with multiple parts. Wounds reopen, teeth fall out, blood blisters form, people bruise easily, seemingly many, many, many symptoms which lead to death, but is simply treated with a source of vitamin C. Yes, a doctor discovered the root cause of a complex problem. Or consider this mysterious constellation of symptoms. A person progressively develops difficulty walking, strange eye movements, which we call nystagmus, muscle weakness, eventually getting shortness of breath, swelling and edema of the legs and the feet, and ultimately death. This disease was called Kakaki, and Eastern-trained physicians had worked on it for over 300 years. It affected the royal household and the elite in Japan. 
Did the Eastern medicine doctors have some ancient remedies? They did not. But a surgeon by the name of Kanahiro Takaki, dissatisfied with his Eastern medical education, decided to learn Western medicine. He apprenticed under some local Western-trained physicians until they said, we can't teach you anymore. And the Imperial Navy sent Dr. Kinaharo to St. Thomas in London, where he learned surgery. But he also learned that Western medicine and even epidemiology, which was taught there by Dr. John Snow, who elucidated the cause of cholera outbreaks in London at the Broad Street Pump. Using the tools of Western medicine, Kinaharo showed that the root cause of these symptoms was a dietary deficiency in what became known as vitamin B1 or thiamine, and we've done a previous podcast about it called The First Vitamin. Here's what they don't teach in medical school. We're not taught how to make a low-carb, keto, paleo, or carnivore diet and that they cure diseases. We don't teach that to medical students because it's not true. We do teach them how the DASH diet, which stands for a dietary approach to stop hypertension, with low sodium reduces blood pressure, the equivalent of one blood pressure pill a day, and encourage our medical students to encourage their patients to change their lifestyle to the DASH diet to decrease their risk of further hypertension and their use of medications. We also teach our medical students how the Mediterranean diet decreases the risk of heart disease and cancer. And while diet is the most empowering thing that people can do, often it will not be enough. While physicians can influence some health decisions of patients, often the patient will come to us beyond where diet and exercise can help, and they need our medication and other services. But let's talk about the scam of the carnivore diet, which is the latest of the low-carb fat. Saladino does a fruit modification of the diet, which will prevent scurvy. In fact, you're probably familiar with the musician James Blunt. I mean, who doesn't like hearing you're beautiful? But he suffered from scurvy when attempting to adopt the carnivore diet in his life. You see, in spite of what they say, the carnivore is not a complete diet. I mean, it sounds great, just eat steak. And Saladino will claim that steak or beef or bison are the most nutritionist, dense foods in the world. They're not. Others will claim you can get all your nutrients through these red meats. You cannot. And in the blog associated with that podcast, I go through a list of references where you can find out about how dietary fiber is important to the diet, how the Hazda people actually have a lot of fiber in their diet, and how the Inuits in Alaska still have high rates of heart disease, stomach cancer, and colon cancer, all from their native diet. If you're not convinced about the carnivore diet, just know that at best, it will increase your risk of diverticulitis of the colon, stomach cancer, and hemorrhoids. Magnesium supplementation. I recently did a previous blog about this, but suffice it to say that excess magnesium has become one of the more common problems seen in poison control centers. At best, excess magnesium might lead to loose bowels, and at worst, it can lead to depression of the carotid baroreceptors with POTS-like syndrome, cardiotoxicity, and severe cardiac rhythm changes, including the heart stopping. There are legitimate reasons for magnesium deficiency, such as diarrhea, malabsorption, some diuretics, hyperaldosteronism, Crohn's disease, alcoholism, and advanced kidney disease, 
And if you've had these, you need to see a physician. But if you're just eating a lousy diet and don't get enough magnesium because of it, it's time to grow up. But this leads to my next scam of the year, Celtic salt. Celtic salt is simply sea salt, which is harvested from the North Atlantic. It costs about a buck 66 an ounce, which is the best price I can find on Amazon, compared with regular salt, which is six cents an ounce. Is there some magic to justify this additional expense? To answer that, you can ask the naturopath, Barbara O'Neill. For those who haven't seen her, she seems like a kindly lady with a pleasant voice and an easy smile. She's usually filmed while standing in front of a whiteboard with lots of scribbles and squiggles on there, giving her explanation of reality to an audience who has paid thousands of dollars to see her. Her misinformation was considered so dangerous that she was barred from the Australian healthcare system. She claimed cancer could be cured with sodium bicarbonate that cayenne pepper could reverse atherosclerosis or stop a heart attack, and that infants with streptococcus infections didn't need antibiotics. If you didn't know, every one of those statements is dangerously incorrect. She also states that she can treat high blood pressure with Celtic salt, because Celtic salt has magnesium in it. Just a reality check. To get 80 milligrams of magnesium from Celtic salt, you need to consume 34,000 milligrams of salt, which is a toxic amount of salt, or about the amount of salt that you should consume in about 14 days. On the other hand, if you eat a serving of spinach, you'll get about 80 milligrams of magnesium, or a serving of the almonds, or a half a serving of pumpkin seeds. O'Neill goes on to say that magnesium is a water-hungry molecule, and it is good for hydration. Magnesium is not useful for hydration or rehydration. In severely dehydrated children, what we have used to save 90 million children is a combination of a liter of water, about six teaspoons of sugar, and a half a teaspoon of salt. No magnesium. Magnesium does not help you absorb water or salt. We're going to turn to our last most charismatic fellow named Gary Brecka, who is great at self-promotion, selling people high-priced solutions to non-existent or rare problems. For legitimacy, Brecka calls himself a human biologist. Brecka received a bachelor's degree from Frostburg State and another bachelor's degree from some chiropractic college. I assume that means he's a dropout from that, but I don't know. But in summary, Brecca has no formal medical training. Often, Brecca starts his talks by making the claim that he can tell a person when they will die within a month. Oddly, no one on planet Earth can tell when a person will die, let alone the month, year, day, or hour. Although there is an entire science, actuarial science, where they determine the probability of surviving in any given year. However, Brecca makes the claim that he can tell based on labs or other issues. Yet this bold claim brought Brecca his most noted client, one Dana White, some fighter of some sort, and Dana White concluding that he had only 10 years to live if he didn't follow Brecca's advice 
became an ardent disciple and business partner, quickly following his diet to lose weight and get off his antihypertensives. Now, hopefully Mr. White got off his hypertensives with the consultation of a board-certified physician. If not, Mr. White will probably increase his risk of heart disease and stroke in the next 10 years. Today, Brecca advocates hydrogen water, cold plunges, and selling overpriced genetic tests for the MTHFR mutation. Let's go through them. Cold plunges. I'm a member of the Polar Bear Club. I have swam in the waters coming from the Mendenhall Glacier outside of Juneau, Alaska. People who do cold water games claim this is good for their health and have a cult-like joy in this frigid experience. Such claims are as cold as the water they immerse themselves in. And now, as an older, more mature person, I can tell you, I don't even scuba dive unless the water is 72 degrees. In all the advertisements I have seen on TikTok for cold water immersion tubs, I have never seen one of them warn people of the immediate consequences of immersion. Here's what we know happens to your body when you immerse in cold ice water. Your heart rate will increase. Your blood pressure will increase. Your respiratory or breathing rate will increase. If we measure lab values, you will have an increase in troponin levels, which indicates some heart damage. You will have increased in shivering, and you will have an increased risk of cardiac arrhythmias, including a fatal one. That vasoconstriction of the skin vessels begins at a temperature of just 37.1 Celsius or 98.7 Fahrenheit when immersed in cold water. Or if you've been exercising 37.5 Celsius, the body attempts to maintain its core temperature by shivering. But when you're immersed in cold water, the body loses its ability to protect its core temperature after 36.2 centigrade. And this is where the danger zone begins, as heat is lost exponentially by the convection from the water, much more so than a cold shower or than air. Hypothermia can set in, fatal cardiac arrhythmias and death can occur. It is not for the weak of heart and not for the faint. There are some athletes who do this as a matter of routine, and they are a separate class which we can study. But again, completely different from studying people who have done some acclimation to this versus other people. Brecca says, quote, nothing strips fat off the body faster than a cold plunge, unquote. He's incorrect. His physical exercise is faster and more efficient, and diet is even faster than that, and safer. While shivering is pretty quick at producing heat, once you get below 36.2 degrees Celsius, you lose that regulation and are prone to hypothermia. What about brown fat, which generates heat when you have cold water exposure? This is actually true. But did you know that the average human adult male has about two to five ounces of brown fat in their entire body? Are you going to risk death in a cold plunge, or just that misery for maybe losing an ounce or two of fat? And by the way, when examined, brown fat oxidation in an adult 
is roughly the equivalent of running for two minutes. While Brecker would love to sell a $6,000 cold punch pool, he clearly overstates the effects of what can be a very dangerous activity. And that, in my opinion, is simply unethical. What about, someone asks me, the elite athletes who use cold for injuries? Certainly they must know more about this than the rest of us. To use this logic, let's look at the average career of an NFL player, which is 27 months. Most careers end because of injury, so I'm not certain they're great at fixing injury. And the lifespan of the average person who has been in the NFL is 56 years. Well, what about baseball players? Well, their lifespan is about 10 years longer, maybe 66 years. To be clear, when I was in medical school, we were taught the RICE protocol. Rest, ice, compression, elevation. This was something that was originally advocated by a Dr. Merkin in 1978 who wrote the sports medicine book. And while there wasn't any good data to support this protocol, there were plenty of anecdotes and it was a book. I mean, you feel better with ice because ice gates the pain that you have from the injury. You're cold. You have the pain from the noxious stimulus of cold. But the effect of ice does not increase healing. It delays healing. And even Dr. Merkin recanted his original position in, of the protocol in 2014. There's a lot of tests that need to be done because there may be some evidence that maybe ice helps in the very early acute injury, certainly never in chronic injuries. But to assume that trainers in the NFL know more than the literature is dubious at best. I mean, most of NFL coaches consistently overtrain their players and believe injury will make you stronger. It doesn't. As should be seen by how quickly injury ends careers. One of the reasons Jim Harbaugh was more successful than others was because of his physical therapist, who limited practice and limited practice injuries by limiting practice and used modern physical therapy to prevent major injuries among their very high-priced star players. Back to Gary Brecka. Brecka states that everyone should have the genetic test for the MTHFR gene. This test, as he will say, costs about 600 bucks. If you're really interested in the genetic test, 23andMe sells it for 99 bucks. But even better, if you want to see if you have that, just get a lab test for homocysteine. That costs about 12 bucks. Brecka states that 40% of the population cannot process folic acid, and that folic acid doesn't occur in nature. Actually, it does. Folic acid is actually quickly changed to folate. It's more stable than folate. It is better absorbed than folate. And it's common that women get depression because of this supplementation from folic acid. It's not only not supported by the literature, but I believe is an exceedingly misogynistic, horrific thing to say against postpartum depression which doesn't need to be treated because someone took prenatal vitamins. The MTHFR gene has many variants, which doesn't mean they're mutations. But there is a rare variant that causes homocysteine levels to rise, and that can lead to damage. But here's the thing. Almost every child in America is tested for homocysteine at birth. But if you are worried... You can get a homocysteine level for 12 bucks. You do not need to spend $600 for Gary Brecker's test. You will get no more information or certainly no good interpretation of that information. 
than you would get from a medical geneticist who's a board-certified physician and specializes in medical genetics and a simple lab test for 12 bucks of homocysteine. The final quack of the year are the compounded pharmacies selling semaglutide, trisepazide, and God knows what else. We had a previous podcast about this. You can feel free to listen to that about making sense of the madness of the new drugs. Suffice it to say, compound pharmacies are illegally importing a drug which is not FDA approved, a drug which says on the label that it is not for human use, then mixing it up under supposedly sterile conditions for you to inject it. In my opinion, if you're getting compound pharmacy semaglutide, which the FDA is warning about and there have been deaths related to, or trisepazide, which is Manjaro, that is the equivalent of saying, I need pain medicine and I'm going to go to the local dealer to get heroin. You don't know what you're getting. It's being imported illegally and you're taking your life in your own hands. That is not what medicine is about. Compound pharmacies, to be clear, do some great things and do some great work and we use them all the time. The compound pharmacies going after these dollars is a horrific practice. And I believe they're violating the law. And some of them are being taken to task for it. More to come later. So the quacks of this year. You see them. They're selling overpriced things. The supplements that they sell are of dubious or of no value. The vitamins they sell are of dubious or no value. The tests that they sell are of dubious of no value. And you will find them everywhere from chiropractors to functional medicine doctor's office. And by the way, you can become a functional medicine doctor for about 300 bucks and passing a test. And you can get the title of functional medicine if you're a nurse, if you're a dentist, if you're a chiropractor. So when I see these chiropractors on TikTok tell the world that they are a functional, as a functional medicine doctor, wow. Do standards change? That's why, at the end of this program, where we are now, if you need to see a doctor, please see a medical doctor or doctor of osteopath, board certified, Western trained, not a naturopath, not a chiropractor, not a functional medicine doctor, and make sure they're board certified and ask them. I'm Dr. Terry Simpson. You can find references for all of this information on my blog, either yourdoctorsorders.com or forkyou.com. This was researched and produced by me, Dr. Terry Simpson, and I'm responsible for his writings. And again, I am not your doctor. Please go to your doctor, Western trained, board certified, not me for medical advice. This is just for your education and hopefully your entertainment purposes because there are a lot of quacks out there. As we go into the new year, we have some things that will hopefully help you, and we're looking forward to the latest podcast. But until then, please keep out of the quacks office. You don't need to buy their expensive nonsense. Eat a Mediterranean diet or a DASH diet. Follow your doctor's recommendations. If someone says it's too good to be true and it's kind of expensive, it probably is. 4Q is distributed by my friends at Simpler Media, Miss Ali Press, and the pod god, Mr. Evo Cara. Hey, Evo. Happy New Year, buddy. I miss you and yours, and I understand you have a new doctor in the house. Please congratulate her for me. Still a few more steps before I can 
call her a doctor, but I, I want to go back to something you said earlier, like this. Johnson, the liver king, used to inject insulin and balance it with maple syrup. What? Good God, people.